It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. And you may know this by now, but you're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That's 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa, and anywhere across the country if you download the Radio Player Canada app and type in one of those two coordinates as well as ELMNTFM and then listen on your device of choice 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And we also want to welcome listeners on other radio stations that are now carrying Moment of Truth. And if you're listening on one of your favorite podcast platforms, we also welcome you to the show as well. It's also a pleasure to welcome to the show today Eve Agoyan, and she, along with uh, Sue Reinert, are here to talk about Duet for Solo Piano. It's a project they have worked on, and it is going to be premiering at the 39th International Festival of Films on Art, and that's available online as of March 17th until the 28th everywhere in Canada. Now, a little bit more about both Eve and Sue. Eve Agoyan is an internationally celebrated artist whose medium is the piano, and she is continually reinventing her relationship with that instrument. She is trained as a classical pianist, but followed her curiosity into contemporary music when she arrived in Toronto 30 years ago, where she was inspired by an emerging generation of Toronto-based composers. Eve has 12 solo CDs that primarily feature works she has committed and she received accolades including Best Classical by the Golden Mail in 2019 for her first CD and one of Top 10 Classical Discs by The New Yorker in 2009 and Top Classical Disc of the Year again by The Golden Mail in 2011. Eve was selected as one of Canada's Top 25 Pianists of All Time by the CBC and she is a recipient of the 2019 Muriel Sharon Award. Currently, she is focused on creating works of for a newly imagined instrument that delves into the space between what a piano can do and what she has always wished it could do. The core of these works is the live acoustic sound of the physical piano as she plays, but through the dedicated intervention of technology through computer interface that she tests and teases the edges of the instrument's natural sound, ultimately pushing it beyond the familiar through the impossible and into the, into the extraordinary. And uh, she also works to improve gender equity through both performance as well as a voice in the contemporary music community. I'd like to ask you a little bit about that, uh, Eve, to expand on. But before we do that, Sue Reinert also is a Canadian filmmaker and media artist. From her early video art to feature films, Ms. Ryan has worked across a range of approaches, dramatic, experimental, documentary, and installation. She is inspired by art, science, ecology, and the human relationship of the natural world. And her films have screened in film festivals around the globe and have garnered multiple awards. And recently, of course, the feature documentary we're going to be talking about, Duet for Solo Piano, is one of them, Mosquito in 2017, The Messenger in 2015, and installation works of Goldilocks in 2020. And as soon as weather will permit, in 2015. I was going to ask you, uh, Sue, if that might have a sequel now that we're linked to lockdown as uh, as soon as weather was, weather will permit to get us back to a regular schedule sort of thing. Um, but also, she has interactive works uh, and that, again, is this uh, project, the, uh, the solo for duetpiano.ca. And she has a dramatic fiction film 
that is entitled Cardia that debuted in 2006. And uh, Duet for Solo Piano also features collaborators and multiple composers, and we're going to get into that a little bit as well. So, Sue and Eve, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having us. Duet for Solo Piano. Can I start with the title, if you don't mind? Because... You know, I had my own idea about what that meant as I went into this and started to watch it. But as I got into watching the film, I have to tell you that it really kind of took me in a whole new direction because I thought, wow, there's a whole lot of duets. If you look at it in different ways that you could see how how this is sort of intertwined and and mixing up. There's yourself with the piano, but then there's there's the piano with the uh, with the uh, the the computer interface. Then there's the, the the you and the piano with the film uh, where you take you know little segments of things that you sort of elaborate on and, and sort of pull off the film into the, the live performance and uh, so can I ask you guys what that title meant for you? Well I think you kind of got it I mean we are n- none of us work in isolation I mean we're always even with an audience that's a sort of duet as well so as a mm. viewer I mean there's so many layers of uh, of interpretation or how, how things are how are thought of or shared, and those can be considered duets. Yes, so from the, the, the obvious one, which is musician and instrument, to the bigger one between Sue and I, or, and then mm. you as a viewer is mm. yet another duet. Mm. Um, so I don't know, Sue, do you want to say something? Well, it's also the name of a piece that Eve composed. Yes. Yes, and, and of course. I think we landed upon it for the title of the film because, exactly uh, for what you said, David, there's all these layers in the film and the duet. But I think the thing that was most profound for me was that Eve in this film creates, she not only interprets the music of other composers, but she creates a piece. Mm-hmm. But in order to create this new piece of music, as a composer, she actually has to recreate the instrument for herself. I mean, you imagine that other um, musicians might just pick up a different instrument and say, okay, I'll play the guitar now. <laughs> but Eve is like, no, the piano is my instrument, but I want to hear it in a new way. I want to hear it, you know, in a way that it, it's the sounds are doing things that they couldn't normally do. And yeah. uh, that kind of busting out of that, um, you know, that acoustic parameters that this piano has had since it was invented, mm. I think was was amazing. It's very important for me. And uh, I mean, even though I, I, I studied in traditional repertoire, but I am living in my own time. And I mean, I sort of, maybe I, I think of the instrument almost as a, as a being, and I feel like it should be brought into our own time and have the advantages of all the things that we can explore and be, you know, curious about. So using technology in relation to it, but also, so in the, in this piano, which is kind of like an enhanced or enchanted piano, I played the acoustic piano. So you hear the real piano, but then there's this other piano that can do things that a piano shouldn't be able to do through the use of uh, elegant use of technology and the two are in dialogue or in duet so it's just really important for me to be of my time Um, so playing music of my time but also bringing my instrument into the play of what that might be for it right okay thank you both for that explanation 
And you know, as you were, and as we see in the film, uh, as you go through that and how you are exploring with that instrument, we see that computer interface. We see the the kind of thing that you're doing with it, and you actually uh, address that in the film as well about um, the things that, that the piano can't do on its own that you wanted to try and uh, manipulate to some degree. You talk about the high end of the piano where you don't get that sustain, and that was one of the things you kind of uh, show or give an example of. But you also talk about the pitch bending and those kind of things. When I was watching that, as, uh, as um, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not sure if it was Sue or Eve that was saying this about, oh, just switching over to another instrument, because I thought of, you know, well, gee, you know, you could do all of that stuff by going to a keyboard, right? One of the new modern keyboards that you can get that will do just about anything for you. But of course, that would, that would not be then what you wanted to do, correct? Yeah, because I want it to be... so. A, a natural instrument mm, mm-hmm. that's made of wood and metal and has its own resonance is a, is a vibrating form. Yes. And it's very different, first of all, to play with it. And also it, it is unpredictable in its own self. So any piano I play or any time I even play a piano that I'm familiar with, how those overtones interact, it's a living thing. Mm. That can never be duplicated by an electronic instrument. Right. So, uh, but the, and what I am doing... Um, it's, I'm actually fully in control of, uh, so I have, yeah, I have these parameters, but then I have expression pedals. So mm-hmm. I can bring things in and out. I can change the speeds, whatever. So it's not being processed before or after. It's in real time in a performance, um, which allows me, again, as a human being, to interact with this new instrument and my instrument at the same time and hear how those things are being blended. Mm. Um, so it's actually a very, it's a live format. Right. You know, as... As we see that, and as I was watching that, what popped into mind was a video I saw some time ago with Oscar Peterson and uh, talking in some ways similarly about what the piano can't do and how he was experimenting with other keyboards and other sounds that you couldn't do on the, on the instrument. Right. So somebody like that would be very interested I mean, a lot are there. So, but now that there's a possibility, mm-hmm. you know, there, first of all, I used a disc clavier and now I have this optical sensor, which allows me to trigger the things I need to do on an acoustic piano, mm. which is so much more pleasurable. The, and also, like I said, has all these color variables that a keyboard does not have. Right. Yeah. So can you tell me about how the two of you got together to start working on this project, Duet for Solo Piano? I think we picked up where we left off like 20 years ago because <laughs> like a long time ago when we were starting out in on the our you know respective creative life journeys and film and music um, we were going to do a Bravo fact or you know one of those short videos years ago and it never worked out and then um, but I think we always wanted to work together and we knew each other but we didn't know each other that well and we liked each other's work mm. and then Eve revived that and uh, I did just received an email one day that said you know film question mark and uh, that's where we started <laughs> and how long ago was that oh ages i don't know 20 years ago oh. i don't know that the, 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 oh, the email oh the yeah. email yeah. was like three years ago ah, so okay. it took um uh we followed uh eve's creative process yep. for first we had to raise some money then mm-hmm. we followed her creative process the film filming took place over the course of a year and it yes. was fairly limited we didn't uh, film every day we filmed some very specific rehearsals i was interested in um mapping the creative process 
and not doing like a performance documentary that's, you know, the completed mm-hmm. show, although we show bits of a completed show. Right. The idea is to say, okay, here's someone, she's trying something different. It's off her normal route and she's putting herself out there. So it's a, a journey for an individual. It's a creative journey and it's, it's one of discovery. So we had all the elements, you know, to actually <laughs> tell a story and make a film. And we just, so we just filmed over time, over the course of the year, dropping in on rehearsals, um, dropping in on a few kind of more, more personal events and time in Eve's studio and just to kind of really map, how the work grew and how it changed. You're listening to Moment of Truth on Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. I'm your host, David Moses. My guests here on the show today are Eva Goyen and Sue Reinard. I'm talking to them about a film they worked on together entitled Duet for Solo Piano, featuring Eva Goyen and a film by Sue Reinard. Yeah, absolutely. And I couldn't agree more. It is a, a beautiful film to watch and watch the process and watch it unfold and bring us into your world, bring us into your connection, that medium that you talk about. Uh, it, 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 for me, it was pretty, it was very evident about that connection to the piano that you have and that extension. You you talk about that, in fact, about your 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 fingers and, and how the, almost being that, that connection that it's not just the touch, it's that they are connected uh, while you're playing. And uh, I, I really got that sense. There's also one particular scene, um, that duet about, and, and, and using these, these film elements. There was one particular one that really stood out to me. And, and I'm, I'm afraid I can't remember exactly what the words or the phrases were, but you, you pick up on these musical, these small musical phrases that are in the films, and that starts to repeat, and it starts to uh, build, and then you took that, you took that, and you started to elaborate, you and, and, and move that phrase into your own composition, as it were. Uh, and for me, that was, uh, I hadn't seen that, kind of thing done before so I was really taken with it because it was almost like I, I could see it literally coming off the film off the screen and and moving into a, a, a live presentation if that makes any sense it, it was it was really quite beautiful to watch I'm not sure if that I'm not sure exactly what you're talking about but I have to say that there are other composers involved in this project and I think that what you're accrediting to me might be my by Nicolise okay. so I, I just want to say that there are there are uh, further uh, co- composers featured. So sometimes it's, it's a bit of a trick because sometimes the interpreter, and in this case, a, a composer on the program is credited for more than, um, like I don't want to discredit myself for my involvement, but there are composers involved. So I think that the work that you're talking about, if it is the David Lynch etudes, yep. is actually by Nicole Zay, okay. and I am the interpreter. And again, we had this producer or director yes. who actually... Uh, also was involved with the yes. theatrical integration of that yes. work. So, um, thank you. I'm I, not, I'm, yeah. I'm getting caught up in the actual moment of as, yeah, as no, someone yeah, watching it's, it. So. It's fine. And since I'm not sure exactly what moment you're talking yeah. about, I don't know if it's me, I should, or if it's somebody else. No, that's <laughs> great. There, you know, Linda Catlin Smith is at work on the program. Um, Michael Snow, John mm-hmm. Oswald, Nicole Zay, and then there's a collaboration with them. Um, uh, work uh, again, me working with. Uh, 
interactive visuals and the visuals are created by David Rokeby. So yes. it's hard to know unless you're telling me exactly, you know, what moment that is. <laughs> so I'm glad you enjoyed the moment. <laughs> well, like I said, it was almost like I could see it pulling, pulling itself off of the screen and into the, into the piano as you were doing that. It, it was quite something for me. Um, not literally seeing it, but I could, I could see it in, in, through my mind's eye. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. And, and you know what? I'm hope we're, we're stimulating some excitement for people to go and see this by talking about it in this way. So we don't know the exact moment, but that'll give something for people to look for, won't it? So uh, as they watch this. And, you know, it is it is quite fascinating. Now, Eve, the other thing you said about yourself was you don't like really seeing yourself. And I think you described yourself as, as somewhat of an introvert. Is that correct? I think a lot of artists, I mean, yeah. it's part of Yes. I mean, most artists have to spend a lot of time with themselves in isolation yeah. yep. <laughs> in order to create work. Yeah. Um, uh, my form of art, and also, in, well, except in COVID, involves a very public part, mm. um, which has always been a difficult transition for me. Mm. Um, I'm sure I'm not unique in this. Yep. Um, but yes, I have that. I have difficulties with that transition. The actor taking on the, the role of an of a character it allows you to to get into a role of a character. Yes, I definitely. Even though I'm not an actor, I definitely use my imagination. Uh, constantly even if it's not theatrical mm. uh to help me go on stage uh right. not uh to just get stand outside of myself in order to actually be myself which is a bit um, uh i guess it's a bit of a conundrum but it, that's sort of what it feels like right uh, sue do you have anything to add to that well i think eve is a very reluctant performer and i think um but she also has this power of going inside the work mm. And I think when we were filming, I, you know, the idea uh, much of the time was, you know, observational fly on the wall cinema, although we did do some set up tableaus and some, you know, distinct visuals. But in those observational moments, she was very unselfconscious because she was inside the work. Mm -hmm. So that was great for us filming. Mm -hmm. And we, we just kind of were, um, you know, as, as, unobtrusive as possible because mm -hmm. it and in because of that we were really able to capture some interesting moments um in that process so so yeah i think that um and i i, I agree that the i the, that many artists are introverted and um but that transformation that you need to perform is something that's very intriguing and quite profound to watch mm -hmm. yes it is and i think that the larger the the larger the internal landscape that artists create for themselves in a weird way, it's almost like it, it inverts itself in performance. Like if you have this really huge base of imagination, uh, you have that to take from when you go on stage. Eve, you were born in, in Victoria, B.C. You were raised out on the, the West Coast and uh, a beautiful place to be raised, of course. Uh, I have many, many relatives out on Vancouver Island myself. And uh, your parents were from Cairo, as I, I may have mentioned off the top, and uh, moved to Canada. And I believe you said in the film that your dad wanted to find the warmest place in Canada to live. Yeah, he had experience of that. So, my, yeah, my parents are both Armenian born in Egypt. Um, my father had studied in the U.S. for four years in um, Berkeley and mm. in Chicago, so he knew the difference between Chicago and Berkeley and weather. So he picked the West Coast of Canada. Yes. And, and do you mind me asking what kind of, you said Berkeley, what, you, both your parents were artists. What, what were their instruments or what, what were their forms of medium? Oh, they were painters. Ah, okay. I found that really interesting. And I found it really interesting about how you described both your, your brother and, and you, Adam, uh, in terms of 
when Adam was born and your your parents at the time, I guess your dad most specifically, um, aim, named Adam in regard to what was happening at the time of his birthing around that that whole uh, era of of the nuclear expansion, those kind of things. Hence his name, Adam. And they wanted to name you Molecular. So you're, you, I guess you would have been named Molly. Is that... <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't get that far. No, I it mean, didn't. <laughs> my father was pretty radical for for Cairo at that time. Mm. I mean, he had left the country. Uh, you know, he'd been doing um, traditional uh, 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 like work where things were representational. Then mm. he went to the United States, and things were much more abstracted. And when he came mm. back to Cairo, he actually, as far as I I know and what I've heard, he actually brought that style to. Cairo or for to Egypt to Cairo I guess from the United States and it hadn't really been seen before so he he was really like uh, he, he was an experimental artist in a weird way I mean he really tried different forms and I guess that also his idea of using different sorts of names uh, was you know part of that so yes I would have been called molecule except my mother <laughs> intervened but still atom and eve was hard yes. enough to live with um, yeah yeah but but i i just thought it was very clever though as well you know very imaginative of him to to think in that way i guess that's where i yes. was going with that. yes my parents were unusual thinkers uh yes and he yes my father passed away about two years ago so yes mm. all these yeah they were remarkable individuals who had to make a transition like so many immigrants mm. um and you know look after a family Right, and so how would you say that that imagination that they carried forward and inspired both you and your brother? Then, um, well, we were brought up in a very, even though uh, in a very beautiful, in a very artistic household. I mm. mean, they, you think you can't when somebody is an artist, you can't really remove that from somebody, even though mm. they were not really practicing fully anymore when mm. they were, you know, once they had arrived in Canada. Mm-hmm. But we had, you know, the music in our household, the things that we saw, where you know, art was the most important thing to them, very clearly. Mm. Um, they tried to set up a gallery uh, in their business. Um, you know, they tried to actually, uh, they had exhibitions of the local painters, so the contemporary painters of their time. They tried to bring things in that didn't do well in Victoria. So eventually mm. they had to abandon the idea of gallery. Mm. But they tried to bring with them or integrate that into their uh, commercial or business life that they mm. needed to to have to survive mm. um, and bring up a family. Right. So, was, so I understand from what you guys are saying, then this was the first project you worked on together. Is that correct? Yes. So, Sue, what did you take away from this experience of working with Eve? What, what, was, what did you learn from that one about Eve? And what would you like people to take away from this duet for solo, for solo piano? Oh, that's a hard question. There's a lot of things. Um, I guess what I took away was, was uh, from Eve is... Um, how brave she is and how tenacious and how she can face that uncertainty of creativity head on. And that takes a lot of courage and, and she's very vulnerable in the film mm-hmm. and she just went with it, mm-hmm. you know, cause we are revealing like, usually people don't want you to see their stuff before it's done. Right. <laughs> and they don't want to see you in, in awkward moments. And right. she, we just pushed through mm-hmm. and what that, what happens is at the end, it really is transformative because it, it, you see, you know, we, we see this push through creative challenges to actually make something in the end. So that was, that was really rewarding. 
And and what would you like people to take away from the film? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, music, the love of music, mm. and the idea of pushing boundaries, mm. I think, is uh, was really central to the right. piece, and that um, yeah, just a, just a celebration of sound. Mm. 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 Right. I think also the 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 fact that the creative process is is, is um, viewed, and that the performance is not like the, the final performance is not revealed. Right. Um, that just this 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 the energy that there's a con- continuity of uh, exploration moving forward. Like it's not there isn't a finished product. I mean, there is a finished product which, which is the film, but there isn't a finished performance that's revealed. Um, and I I, like, I think that that's really important. Mm. And now we described how you were sort of on this journey of exploring the the medium, exploring the piano and, and being as experimental with it, uh, Eve. So I've continued to compose uh, with the new technologies, so new works and, you know, just bring in new materials um, uh, and different forms. Um, and then, yeah, there are things about the technology, which I'm in the process of playing with, also exploring with potentially with AI, but I don't know if that's mm. going to be a successful idea. Mm. Um, yeah, no, just, uh, I don't really know when the metamorphosis will change. Mm. <laughs> so I don't, uh, you know, I just, there's a, everything is, everything is possible as far as, you know, what, what's there to play with mm. as far as creativity goes and there's always new things and I think musicians in general are generally at the forefront with using new technologies in yeah. art forms yeah. mostly in pop music but mm. um, I think there's 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 a, there's a tradition of it right. mm. great well thank you thank you for that and thank you to both of you for taking the time to join us on the show I really want to thank you for taking the time sharing uh, ideas and around the creativity of this duet for solo piano featuring yourself Eve Agoyan and filmed by Sue Reinard we want to thank you both and I thoroughly enjoyed it I thank you so much for doing this I was was very inspired in so many ways because I I liked everything I saw the experimentation I thought it was fresh I thought it was new and 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 I thought it was just so unusual, but very engaging. And I hope that at some point we can see this live. But um, do you have any plans for that? I guess that's everything's on hold at this point, right? Yeah, everything's on hold at this point. I mean, and, and festivals that had, um, it's very tricky because if they had wanted it, mm. now they just want to go forward with something more simple. So I don't know how, when larger scale productions that involve more people uh, like this will will happen again but hopefully mm. in a year or right. so you know right. we'll we'll start feeling comfortable to bring people together I, it, it's an unknown yeah I think yeah. though that people can go to the Art FIFA Film Festival right now which yep. is normally a, a live event but the film is available online if you buy a passport for Art FIFA and you can see all kinds of amazing art films. Yes. So I, I would highly recommend people checking out that festival. Um, and we also have a website which is duetforsolothefilm.com and uh, there's more info and, and uh, we can follow where the film might screen next. Duetforsolothefilm.com Yes. Great. Well, it's out there now, and we'll make sure and mention that again. Thank you again to both of you for taking the time to join us on the show. It's been a real pleasure speaking with you. Yeah, thank you so much for your interest. It's great. You bet. Yeah, thank you. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye-bye. 
They're the voices of Eva Goyen and Sue Reinert. I've been speaking to them about Duet for Solo Piano, which you can go online, as mentioned, and see in the 39th International Festival of Films on Art, La FIFA, and that's available online uh, now until the 28th of March anywhere in Canada. Eva Goyen is an internationally celebrated artist whose medium is the piano, and she is continually reinventing her relationship with the instrument. And Sue Reinert is a Canadian filmmaker and media artist and she is also the woman behind duet for solo piano as well okay we're going to take a pause and come back right after this with ryan mcmahon he is the host of stories from the land stay with us we'll be right back right after this now back to moment of truth with david moses element 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 fm Welcome back to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa. And of course, as you may know, anywhere across the country, if you download the Radio Player Canada app, type in one of those two coordinates as well as ELMNTFM. Listen on your device of choice. And uh, very soon, I understand, we'll also be on the iHeartRadio, which you can listen to as well. We want to welcome those listeners on other radio stations that now carry Moment of Truth. And also, if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, welcome. We always welcome every listener. It's also a pleasure to welcome my next guest to the show. He's here to talk about Stories from the Land, a four-part short doc series hosted by the one and only Ryan McMahon. And he is on the show with us today. And it's a pleasure to have him here. Now, uh, of course, Ryan is an Anishinaabe creative that tells jokes, talks, yells, as he says, and writes for a living, as well as a critically acclaimed comedian, writer, and producer from Kuching First Nation, Treaty 3 Territory. McMahon is also renowned for his podcast work and his Thunder Bay, Thunder Bay podcast in partnership with Canada Land was named Best of 2018 list by the Globe and Mail, CBC Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, New York Magazine, Vulture, and The Atlantic. So it's a pleasure to welcome Ryan to the show. Ryan, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate you taking the time to do this. So now Stories from the Land started out. This is now a doc series that's going to be premiering and, and premiering on the CBC Gem uh, as of March 19th. And people can go there to see this. But it originally started out as as a, just an audio podcast. Yeah, and in uh, 2016, um, I uh, created Stories from the Land as a way to have a conversation uh, about reconciliation in a way that uh, wasn't happening at that time, and that was uh, amongst um, Indigenous people ourselves. So the idea was to create a space uh, for storytelling, uh, live presentation, documentary, and sort of first-person reflections mm-hmm. um, about our lives as they connect and intersect with uh, with the land and mm-hmm. the places we are from. And... Um, you know, it, that's that's the way it started. And once once we started the project, it, it very quickly, you know, showed itself in a way that, you know, I thought, boy, this could actually evolve into something <laughs> quite different. And, uh, and that's exactly what happened. It's been used to help communities prepare to go to uh, court over land claim battles. It has been used as a way to uh, replace and remember Indigenous place names through the language mm. in various communities across Canada. Um, it's been a live show 
that we've sold tickets to for people to come in and uh, experience the stories and have a laugh and sometimes have a cry. Um, and it's sort of run the gambit in terms of like, you know, what, what we thought was possible. And, uh, and we keep discovering new, new ways to tell these stories. And this, uh, this new iteration, the CBC Gem uh, doc series is, uh, is the latest. Now, something you just said there uh, that I find really interesting that you uh, chose as a way to approach this, and that was as a reconciliation within Indigenous people themselves. So telling their stories, I guess, as a way of healing, correct? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when, when, when you look at the, when you look at the, at what storytelling is, it's, you know, it's a profound act of love. I think it's, Mm. it's a chance for people to sit and remember, Mm. but when you take apart the word, remember you, you can look at it and say, it's, it's, it's an effort in remembering, uh, bringing people back to whole, bringing Mm -hmm. people back to community, helping people understand, um, you know, and, and so storytelling for me is, is, is one way that we can, uh, you know, lift each other up, um, make each other feel good and, and try to, you know, if we could be so bold, try to uh, uh, get people thinking more about uh, language and culture and, and land and territory and, um, and, and to help each other sort of not just reclaim that, but, but sort of live that. Mm. Now, just going back to that idea of, of reconciliation and for Indigenous people themselves, but I'm sure that from the time you've been doing this, that non-Indigenous people have been looking at this, watching it, and I'm sure you've had lots of feedback from from non-Indigenous people. And why I say that is because I'm sure that even though it was meant for Indigenous people, as you mentioned, to start out with, it's it's something that non-indigenous people can obviously learn from as well. Right. Yeah. The the, the goal is to 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 elevate stories and, and tell stories that that build a doorway for people to walk through. And so, whether you're indigenous or non-indigenous, that doorway is is meant as an offer, mm-hmm. and uh, it's an offer for people to consider something they may not have before. Mm-hmm. And and you know that that's that's what storytelling is. It it gives unique access to um, to to the lives, the experiences um, of of indigenous people, and this project in particular is centered on land and territory, uh, water and sky, um, and allows people to to t- talk about you know uh, the places they're from. We, we've sort of coined this 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 phrase behind the scenes for ourselves mm. uh, that these are like love letters mm-hmm. to the places we are from and. Mm-hmm. Um, um, really, really proud of what we were able to do under pretty extreme circumstances with COVID and mm-hmm. everything else. But um, yeah, we're we're excited to share these stories with the world. And now, Ryan, I have to say, you know, off the top, I introduced you as as a comedian, uh, and you, you describe yourself as someone who tells jokes, talks, yells, writes for a living. Uh, you're a critically acclaimed comedian and writer, and um, it it isn't something I would necessarily asso- associate you in terms of this kind of program we're now talking about, which sounds, in some ways, on a, v- a very serious topic that we all know needs to be shared. And and so, congratulations to you for sure. But how did someone that comes from a from a comedic background uh, come up to say you know what this, this this is an idea that my my abilities can still add or or uh, help with 
Yeah. Well, it, it, it's been a slow sort of build um, to, to sort of diversifying uh, the mediums that I tell stories in. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, since 2014, I would say, um, I've been focused on documentary and, and finding unique ways to, you know, to tell to tell challenging stories. And um, it started with working with Michelle St. John on the Mm. colonization road documentary Mm. um, for CBC and, you know, has just slowly kind of morphed itself into, again, into various mediums. And, you know, the Thunder Bay podcast is, you know, uh, a dead serious uh, investigative podcast that looks at, um, at the city Mm -hmm. and its challenges. Um, I feel like, I feel like documentary gives such unique access um, that uh, there's no better way than to hear it from the people themselves Mm. um, to correct the record, to sort of, you know, create a a foundation to work, uh, to work from. Mm -hmm. And so, so documentary just was, was a chance to, sort of walk right into community and show people what I was always talking about on stage to, 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 to articulate, to have the people themselves articulate who, who it is uh, we are. And, and um, that was, that was the effort we were trying to make uh, uh, through the documentary. And, you know, there's a, do I wish I was doing standup comedy full time? Sometimes mm-hmm. um, do, do I wish that some of these projects had a little bit more of a comedic bent to them sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, you know, we find ourselves in a time that I think we just, uh, we become the stories we tell ourselves and uh, where we are today in, in this country relative to the, the social responsibility question and the political responsibility question. Um, I'm really motivated and, and, and really captured by the documentary form right now. What you just said there, if you don't mind expanding on it a little bit more, I find it really interesting. We become the stories we, what was it? We become the stories we talk about. Is that what was it? You said? We, we become the stories we tell ourselves. Yeah, yeah we tell I ourselves. mean, what, what, what I kind of mean there is, you know, you know, for the last 150 some odd years, Canada has told itself one version of, mm-hmm. uh, of this, of its story and, mm-hmm. and largely has excluded uh, indigenous people. And when indigenous people are included in the stories, it tells about itself. Um, often, you know, the stories are incomplete and fragmented and frankly, you know, um, they, they fall short Mm. of, of the truth. And so, you know, an effort to tell these stories in this way is, is, is a chance to become who we know we are. Um, I think the stories that, 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 film and television largely including the media have have told about indigenous people have been have been incomplete and and this is why we find ourselves in this way you know the the much of the country lacks the ability to understand indigenous people's uh, humanity mm. and this for me of course is is a huge problem you know this is why uh, there's still debate about the the mascot uh, and and mm. and sports team logos. Mm. Um, this is why there's there's we're still pleading for our humanity in the in the in the in the wake of a a national inquiry into missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls and Two Spirit people is mm-hmm. because you know the the uh, John Wayne uh, back at the, in the advent of moving pictures, um, Wild Bill Cody who started the Wild West uh, mm-hmm. Wild West shows, mm-hmm. um, you know they 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 didn't see our humanity. And so, you know, the chance for us to, 
tell better stories and to become who we are um, inspired by these stories to me is, is, is a great gift. Do you think that's starting to change? The idea that, you know, not only seeing humanity, but seeing the value of indigenous knowledge, especially as we find ourselves in the, the midst of not only this pandemic, but in the midst of, of a climate crisis, which is. Yeah. yeah, I think it's changing. I think I think we've never been here before, for sure. Um, you know, thanks to the 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 work of residential school survivors themselves mm. um, uh, through the, 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 the TRC. Mm. Um you know, the record is, is corrected. Um, it has inspired, I think, uh, some Canadians, um, and it has, it has motivated and I think called for, um, all of us to kind of, you know, figure out what we can do better. Um, what needs to change, what, what little actions can we take daily to, uh, to, to really, help this country live up to its potential mm-hmm. and um and i think art and culture uh, more so than politics um you know is responsible for pushing us forward and mm-hmm. i think we go further faster through art and culture um I, I don't care what color the prime minister's underwear is it can be red or blue or orange or green um i don't think the politics gets us to where we need to be um, mm. I think we go further faster through storytelling, through music, through art, um, through literature, through comedy, um, than, than we do through politics. And so the more Indigenous stories we, we come into contact to in our lives, I think the better off we are. You said that, that as you started to get into this and started to expand on the podcast, that you, when this, the stories started to become more than what they were meant to be or, or meant to, as you saw them, uh, to help in terms of just sharing the stories and telling these stories as in terms of healing, you said they started to be used uh, of, as a means of in, in, in court cases and those kind of things. Yeah, well, it, it, again, it, would, it just, as the, as the storytelling and, and the engagements started to change. Everyone has a different way of storytelling, right? Whether it's through song or dance, whether it's through masks, whether it is through um, like actual, like oral tradition, oral storytelling, whether it is through um, uh, like a, a, a clan system, you know, telling each other their own clan stories. Mm. There's a diversity. Of mm-hmm. course, you know, indigenous people, we aren't a, we aren't a monolith. So mm-hmm. there's a diversity in the way stories are told, where they are told, how they are told, when they are told. And, um, and those are, those are, you know, pleasant little surprises that I don't know that we fully understood uh, we would experience um, at the start of this project. But, but, we we have come to understand now that the diversity of perspectives on on what storytelling is and can be and what impact it has uh, on the people itself, you know, is 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 greater than we realized. And and that's really when we started to step back and go, OK, it doesn't feel like we're driving this thing anymore. Let's just kind of follow the people, the mm-hmm. people themselves. Mm-hmm. And um and that's what we did. And this is where we are because of it. And, right. you know, I think, um, you know, to kind of uh, pull the curtain back a little bit, you know, there was a conversation around like, well, you know, how many more of these do we have? To, to, how many stories do how many stories do we possibly have to tell? And it was, you know, the answer to that question, of course, is uh, thousands. Mm-hmm. Right? This could be a th- 
5,000 episode series yeah, sure. if, if, uh, if we were able to do so. So, you know, the, the, the stories are everywhere. We've started using the hashtag indigenous stories everywhere. Mm. Um, and uh, I, I think this is us at our best uh, sharing mm. story. Looking back again, you said that the show sometimes went on the road. You took it into communities, so it was live at times. Did you find it, it more beneficial with an audience that might be interactive? Did you find that that be created question answers? Did you give a, a, an opportunity for I- input from the audience after the show? Or how did that, how did that fall, you know, work out? Yeah, so, so each, each engagement with, uh, with each community uh, was designed uh, in partnership with us and 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 with the community itself. Mm. And so, you know, we we have a bit of a template when we come in, like what the goals are and 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 how we're going to get there. But you know, frankly, the 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 engagements themselves we design uh, with the interests and the goals of the community in mind. And so, you know, we've had everything from, again, from ceremonies to uh, basically, you know, amateur comedy nights um, Mm. and, and, and all stops in between. Um, We've been invited to round dances. uh, You know, uh, we've been invited to private uh, uh, community engagement sessions Mm -hmm. and, that that were recorded but only recorded you know for the communities themselves where they weren't meant to be distributed through podcasting platforms so so we've had a wide range of experiences there and um uh, again i think it just it 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 just speaks um it just speaks to the to the strength you know and to the to the to the to the heart of of indigenous people themselves Mm. i'm glad you mentioned what you said about private sessions and ceremony do you feel that people are more uh more comfortable with things being documented as long as they are going to be treated and respected as such well i think i think that's a uh, I think that's an evolving conversation in communities themselves, right? Mm. And and it and it really depends on on what it is um, that is being considered mm. uh, for, for 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 recording. And mm. so, you know, at times I feel really uneasy in certain spaces where, you know, in in the Ojibwe language we call th- some of these stories. Uh, the sacred stories ad sokanen, mm. which are you know spiritual stories and spiritual teachings that have a certain context that probably in the in the purview of most Anishinaabe people that know Adsokanan, you know, don't, don't, don't want that context removed. Um, and so, you know, what, what becomes, uh, I, I wouldn't say a negotiation, but a, a part of the process uh, is us figuring out what is allowable and what is not with community. And, and you know, I, originally this project so in the earliest days you know when this project was was sort of swimming around in my mind it was you know a giant uh map of canada with with digital pins all over the map and you could you could click on those pins and they would bring you to these these various stories these sites and Mm. we still have a uh uh this concept being developed for us behind the scenes and we'll have more news on that in the in the coming months uh but but when i started talking with cultural advisors on how to do this work they're like well what stories and i was Mm -hmm. like well all of them they're like no (laughs) you know we're not putting sacred sites on a map for people to go Mm -hmm. and explore Mm -hmm. and i went oh right of course (laughs) um that's how these things get get desecrated right right well we want to give 
most people the benefit of the doubt. I don't know that most people necessarily deserve the right. benefit of the Correct, doubt. Correct, yeah. And so, you know, we, we've, again, as we, as we learn more and as we grow and as we shift, we are, as a, as a, as a, as a project, we are just kind of keeping, um, keeping all of our options open and, and working in, in, in community, in partnership mm. uh, to do the best that we can to ensure that a indigenous knowledges, histories and stories, um, songs and, and whatever else communities wish to share mm. is, are, are accessible to the communities. Mm-hmm. And so at, at every community engagement, what we do is we've, we've created a, what we call a digital bundle. We, we give back, you know, the hard drive with all of the stories, mm. the photos, mm. um, <laughs> the audio, the video, whatever right. it is that right. we were doing during the engagement, we give that yep. back to the community. Um, we always try to have a feast. Uh, yep. We always try to engage in community the way that makes sense. Uh, yep. for them right. uh, so for example you know out on the west coast one of the first times i did this i put together a uh you know a, a, a bundle including a, t- a tobacco offering and you know they're in the west coast they're like well we don't <laughs> what do you want us to do with this tobacco right. i was like oh right yeah you guys don't necessarily do this this right. way right. um so it's also been very instructional and, sure. and, and a great teaching tool for yeah. me you know yeah, yeah. that uh yeah, there's uh, there's there's a way things happen uh, depending on where you are, and you kind of gotta, you know, you kind of gotta follow that 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 protocol. Mm-hmm. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. I'm your host David Moses. My guest is Ryan McMahon. We're talking to him about stories from the land. It's a four part short documentary series that is uh, streaming on CBC Gem as of March 19th, and this is uh, sort of an extension of what sh- stories from the land used to be uh, in terms of starting out as a podcast only. And it, it's a pleasure to have Ryan on the show. You know, Ryan. As you were as you were talking there, um, talking about the way you were you were going into some of these communities, it's a wonderful experience for you uh, to hear what you're doing. Congratulations to you on this and and all the things that you're doing to bring these stories to life and and help. But the other thing you just mentioned as well was uh, talking about having a feast and going in uh, and treating and working with the community as you as you go through this process. Was that at all uh, now working with with CBC? Was that at all a, a stretch for them? Because you know, uh, a lot of a lot of mainstream programs and a lot of uh, bigger programs are always on this really tight timeline, right? Get in, get out, kind of thing. Are, are you finding that you have to relax some of those things because of going into the communities, working with them, and trying to bring them on board, make sure that they feel included with the process? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, when when we <laughs> we submitted our budget to the CBC, <laughs> we had a tobacco line item right. uh, that they were like, well, we're not buying cigarettes for the crew. I was like, well, that's, let me explain. And so, you know, I will say to the credit, uh, to, to CBC's credit, uh, they trusted us. And, mm. and as, as you well know, you, you've been around a long time. Um, things are changing. We're, the, the way we engage uh, with the mainstream and, and broadcasters and these institutions, there is more trust 
um, there is more room for discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, this top-down approach to our lives and our, our stories certainly doesn't fly anymore. Um, we're in a new time. And so the, the, the word partnership is kind of what comes to mind when I mm. think about the way we mm. were able to work with, uh, with the broadcaster. And, you know, we're happy with that partnership. We're happy with, with the way things have, have happened. Mm. Um, but yeah, you know, when we're talking about uh, when, and, and submitting receipts to accountants, you know, it's like you bought blankets. What were that? What was that for? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, explaining, you know, our protocols and and the bundles that we gave away uh, was a pretty straightforward conversation, but I think it was one that may have caught a few by surprise, but again, you know, they were, they were receptive to it and they knew what we were doing. So uh, it was all good. The other thing though, you, you mentioned music and, uh, someone that you have involved with the program, uh, DJ Shub. Uh, that's great. Yeah. Well, you know, one of the sort of the fun things that you get to do when you do one of these is get to imagine everything from the ground up, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, this is an adaptation of a podcast series. So visually you're starting to think about, well, what does it look like? But a big part of, of this medium is what does it sound like? Mm -hmm. And we really wanted to give, you know, we wanted to give the doc series sort of an expansiveness. We wanted the land really featured prominently. We wanted to hear the land. We're, we're trying to really take this adaptation quite literally. This was a, an audio podcast series first. And so mm. we wanted the, we wanted the, 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 the visuals to kind of breathe and, and, and be given space. Uh, but, and, and here we are now, um, you know, kind of thinking about, well, what does it sound like? What's the mm. music? What does it sound like? Mm. And, and, uh, uh, DJ Shub Dan, uh, general, uh, you know, was about to put out a new album and I had an advanced copy of it that I was listening to. And we found that, that, that track. And we just said, I think, think we found it. Mm. Let's, let's stop looking. Let's go with this. And, mm-hmm. uh, had that conversation and, uh, yeah, we're really happy, happy to have, uh, licensed that track for, for the series. Cool. And so this episode, these, this, the four parts that are going to be, uh, airing now, what are the, what are they going to be looking at? The four that we have again, uh, really center the land, um, and the water as, as, as the stars of the show, mm. uh, as told by people, from those places. So we go to Fort William first nation Mm -hmm. to talk about uh, birch bark Mm -hmm. and um, the importance of, of, of working with that, that, uh, that tree, Mm -hmm. uh, the, the birch tree. Mm -hmm. We go to Kenichiwanung in Northwestern Ontario in treaty three, which is a a sacred site, a burial mound site, uh, which is uh, nationally protected. Mm -hmm. And we talk with a couple of youth that have taken up the work of uh, holding onto stories from there. And, Mm -hmm. and they're, they're two, guides and and uh, have, are really inspired by all of the work their ancestors did to protect those lands mm. uh, we go to rainy lake which is uh, in my home home territory uh, to talk to a couple of the last fish commercial fishermen left on the lake mm. and we get their perspective on the past present and future of their work and uh, and it's to me it's my favorite one it's it's sort of the 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 humanity and the the, the love that emanates from that story and and just wanting to 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 live your best life the way you want to live is such an inspiring call to action, especially today, given COVID and everything else. I mm. think people are going to love that one. Cool. And then we we have a corn soup documentary, mm. um, which is basically uh, we've t- we turn stories from land into a cooking show and. 
we take you through the stages and steps of of making a a, a bowl of of corn soup mm. and we we go into the history and the cultural significance of of this uh, this superfood mm-hmm. and um and we're really, really proud of that one too. So, cool. all four of these stand alone. You, you don't have; they don't link in any way necessarily. They are short films in right. and of themselves. And uh, yeah, we're really, really proud of these. And it sounds like you should be, Ryan. Congratulations! This is great. So, uh, all the best to you in the future. And you know, anything else you think we missed that we should address before we uh, wrap up? No, I just want to say thank you to to uh, Element FM uh, for having us, and and thanks to the CBC and and uh, Indigenous Screen Office, uh, Netflix, and uh, all of our friends and family that uh, helped push this over the line. And you know, making a documentary series normally is challenging and hard and very few people do it because it's hard mm. uh, but doing it under covid made it mm. uh, that much harder yeah. and uh, we managed to get it together uh, in a good way we're really proud of this and we hope people enjoy all right sounds good well chimi and yamagoa for taking the time to join us on the show ryan ah thank you all right take care and uh, hopefully we can talk again in the future Fingers crossed. That is Ryan McMahon. He is the host of Stories from the Land. It's going to be, and it is now, streaming on CBC Gem. And it started to premiere on March 19th. And it was a welcome to have him on the show to talk about this. And that is your show for today. I'm your host, David Moses. We'll see you again tomorrow. This has been Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM.